0: Welcome back to the True Crime Guys Podcast. I'm Lauren, And I'm Michael. How's everybody doing? Welcome back. Ready for a fun episode this week. Yeah, something different. Real. Something different.
1: No doubt. Black widow, a black widow husband, right? So we call it a black widow wearer.
0: Yeah. You know, freak accidents can happen in life. Uh, they're unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, you Indeed. know, sometimes a spouse dies in a really odd way. But when it happens multiple times, you have to start looking a little sideways at the, at the surviving spouse.
1: Yeah, and when it happens twice to the same person, and then you know, big payouts were involved in both.
0: This guy had both of his wives that he had over the course of 24 years, married to both of them for 12 years each, die in some of the most extraordinary, rarest ways possible. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll get into the, the gritty details, but he went at length to try and make the you know make his spouses die in a in a you know freakish way in two different different ways entirely as well I think he learned from the first one and the second one went all out and uh, (laughs) crazy case I think
1: it makes you wonder how many failed plans did he have how many attempts throughout the years we know of one one.
0: attempt with his second wife for sure that's right so that'd
1: be interesting to find out
0: yeah and I got a great book for this one we'll talk about on the other side but let's get into your intro and hear what you got for us this week let's do it man
2: Hi, my mom to address the emergency. Hello, my name is Harold Henson. I'm in the Rockmanas Park. Okay. I need help right now. rescue team here immediately. Okay. What is your exact location? My exact location is Deer Mountain. We're okay. Building. Okay. About one, mile, about one mile south of the visitor center. Okay, I'm going to transfer you to the park. So hang on the line. You'll hear some. You're going to hear some clicking. And right now, I'm pulling up your your lat- Long. Okay. Um, on my phone here. Let me try it one more time before I transfer you. They don't have this technology. Okay. Yep. I have one moment. Okay. okay. Hang on. Okay, hang right, right. <laughs> on. And I'll introduce who we are when they pick up the phone. This is Esther, and we have a gentleman on Deer Mountain. Go ahead, sir. Thank you. My wife has fallen her rock on the north of the south summit of Deer Mountain on the Deer Mountain Trail. And she's in really critical condition. She's got a bad fall. on her uh, hmm? uh, fucking feet, 30 feet. I'm, having, I'm having thirsty. 30 are, are you I'm getting sure. I am. Let me be sure that you know my location first. You have, felt, you have really bad cell coverage. Okay. 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 I'm on I'm Deer Mountain. Okay. We have a summit, not the normal, regular, uh, northern summit on the southern outcrops. And um, tell me some about, about the location. She is a um, white female, 50 years old, great health. She has respiration, roughly five to eight. A minute. Her pulse is about between um, 50 to 80 beats a minute. Okay, hey, what's your main injury? Uh, head injury, mm-hmm. Intestine. Okay, any other injuries? Internal, I don't... Is he conscious? Kind of He's breathing. No, she's not. He's not being conscious. He is breathing. He's going to be 5 and it's 8 beats a minute now. Okay. Hold on a second. Okay. Here's the thing. I will pay any and all expenses for a helicopter. I don't private, I don't care, commercial. It would a medic back. I will be a like any and all expenses right now. Have you dropped a paramedic down here. I understand that, sir. Um, it's really on the safety of everybody involved, so that would really be up to the greater charge. Oh. Weather's well, good. There's, there's no wind whatsoever right now. Okay. is excellent. This building is, is at least five to eight miles. Um, there's, there's definitely, I mean, I, I'm not a paramedic, but I'm doing all awesome. Um, you can safely drop a permit from a deep attachment room. I can easily do that. I understand this, sir, but they definitely need to probably get someone on scene. They do have eight CTs, and those are the team that are going to run up there. If that's protect- possible, and get to your location. Uh, they're asking you to put a temporary exit out if possible. See if they can't see you, a glass view. Okay, okay. get Are you back with your wife now? I'm, I'm right here, yeah, I'm recording her. Okay, how is she doing, sir? Her respiration is weaker. Her respiration is weaker? Yeah, five feet a minute. Five feet a minute? Yeah. Okay, so you don't have to perform CPR? I do, I do, not you. Okay, again, more about the ball, sir, was that like a slide? fall, or did she fall, you know, directly? I, I didn't see the capacity. I was messing I was with one camera, she was messing with the other one. So but you didn't see her? I didn't actually see. I'm uh, going to have motions in it. So, um, i going to hang up with you if you want to leave on. That makes you feel better. Yeah. do that. Um, you can call us any he with her. I will call you exactly 6 exactly 6 I'll call you exactly, exactly, I'll call you exactly Okay, will like transfer it Okay, thank you. Thank you. All
0: right, for our case this week, we are doing as you mentioned briefly the black widower is what they're calling him. I feel like it's kind of a cliche played out thing in the crime world. You know, when there's a spouse that or a person that kills multiple spouses, whether it's a man or a woman doing this, we've mm-hmm. seen it several times with women, Dorothy Puente and all these different uh, characters that right. kill off their husbands and wives. For What was the guy, Thomas, uh, Thomas Randolph. Yes. What? The guy that's oh, in the prison <laughs> in, yeah. in Southern Nevada, not far from where I live. That's right. That's right. Yeah.
1: That guy reminds me of, a lot of this guy, but he was a little more, uh, how do you say, like uh, animated, a little more yeah. flamboyant, a little more uh, of an actor than this guy is. This guy tried to fly under the radar, for the most part, but he still had that that confidence where he, this guy was everything a pompous, says,
0: arrogant son of a bitch. If you if if, yeah. if you ran in his circle, if you knew him, and right. one of the more controlling people we've ever covered. But yeah, definitely not as theatrical as Randolph was. That guy was no. a character.
1: But just as conceited and narcissistic. I mean, he thought everything he said was the truth. Mm -hmm. And he thought everyone was an idiot. He's the ultimate
0: one-upper, this guy. I learned a lot about his character (laughs) in this book that I got. Yeah, It's available on Audible. Fantastic crime book called The Accidents by Caleb Hannon. And I will show you a picture if you're watching this on YouTube. The Accidents. It's backwards, obviously, because I'm showing it to the camera. But fantastic book. Just finished it right before we started recording. Tons of details, um, and learned what a complete douchebag, lying, maniacal, scumbag this guy H- Harold Henthorn is. Right. Um, and, so, what let's point get into of view? The story.
1: What real quick? What point of view yeah. was the book written from? Is this just some author who just looked into the case, or yes. was this a defense attorney? Okay.
0: Yeah, actually, I, l- I really like the way that this author ended the book. I ju- like it's fresh in my mind because I just finished it. Um, mm-hmm. But his kind of notes at the end of the book—I forget what they call that.
1: Uh, like an epilogue
0: yeah at the end he was talking about how he really had uh, reserve he, he was thinking he wouldn't write a book on this case just because there was several like multi-hour um, specials done on it by television ABC and whatnot right um, but then like when he started talking to the the family of his the second wife the second victim in this Tony um, he learned that they kind of felt cheated. By the TV series that they had done, that they would they would spend all day getting makeup done and, and telling their side of the story, and then they would be like a forty second clip that would make the well, cut in the end, you know. And he's like, I wanted to tell the story with all of the details that the family has told us over this time, and not shortchange them. And um, right, and you know but, the problem so, yeah.
1: with that. The problem with that is that documentaries they want to tell the story too, and they want to tell the most compelling one. And if you give yeah. away speaking too, speaking of Randolph, in your they want
0: to be theatrical with it. And, yeah. Only the the, the most salacious details make it in, and you don't hear as much about, like, the effect on the family, you you know, just the the day in and day out grind that they had to deal with. And, like, they really had to take their time with this guy because, really, it was – he was the only one there for both of the wives that were, we found out, killed, but supposedly accidents. Right. You know, it was – him and the wife and they were in a secluded area and there was no witnesses. That's the way he planned it. And so it was really hard. You had to really gather a lot of character about him mm-hmm. and you had to get as much circumstantial evidence as you could. So the family, there was actually, um, we'll get into a shit this ton of, of
1: circumstantial evidence though.
0: It was, it had to have been so tough for, for Tony's family, uh, his second yeah. wife, because they had to, before they were, they, uh, arrested him for killing Tony. They had to like, go along with him in order to be able to see their granddaughter and like to build the case they had to like act like they were still on his side they were flying to colorado and meeting with him and hanging out with him and like all the while knowing damn well that he killed their you know daughter their sister yeah. and he's sitting there
1: thinking man they're such idiots they're yeah. buying everything i'm he's selling thinking
0: them. they're on my side i got they're them totally, fooled.
1: yeah yeah, yeah
0: but wow. I feel like we're going far down the weeds and people haven't heard the story yet. So let's get in. Well, let's, yeah. let's start from the, where this story kind of <laughs> let's straighten the best way stuff to kick off. Quick. Yeah. The best way to kick it off was with, um, 50 year old Tony, uh, Tony Henthorne and 52 year old Harold Henthorne who were celebrating their 12th wedding anniversary on the weekend of September 29th, 2012. And they decided, well, Harold decided because Harold made every decision and every call and, The two wives that he had didn't get to make any decisions of their own. Uh, He decided that for their 12th anniversary, they would hike Colorado's Rocky Mountain National Park together. An area I visited, Estes Park, uh, the area of Estes Park, which is easily the most beautiful place I've ever seen in person. It's amazing. If you've ever seen The Shining, it's that same. um, Oh, okay. Yeah, that same mountain. That's beautiful. Just overwhelming. Yeah, so beautiful. Um, so they were going to hike uh, Colorado's Rocky Mountain National Park together uh, for their 12th anniversary, which was going to be tough for Tony, his wife, uh, because she'd had three knee-, knee surgeries. She'd had knee problems since she was a teenager dating back to when she played basketball in school. Yeah. Um, and hiking was not easy for her. She had to give up skiing due to her knee issues. So it was, it was once again, um, the more we learn about this guy, it was a selfish move on his part to want to, uh, to go hiking, but he obviously had ulterior motives here.
1: Right. Right. And he, I think he later told a park ranger that he was going to take her on a, on an easy hike, mm-hmm. but it was too crowded. It was too crowded.
0: Yeah. The, his you story know. ends up being all over the place. Oh yeah. Yeah. All over the place. But, uh, they had met. So Tony and, uh, Harold had met in late 1999 and gotten married only nine months later. They actually got engaged the weekend that they met. They had met on a Christian uh, website, singles website. Um, I believe she either he flew out to meet her, or she flew out to meet him, and that weekend they got engaged. They just were wow. looking for someone. They were in a rush. Um, Tony. Somebody was had, in a rush, right? Yeah, Tony wanted to have kids. Harold wanted to have oh. kids apparently as well, and they'd both been married prior. Um, and so when they met each other online, it was kind of like, as soon as they met in person, it was like, oh, let's just do this. Let's commit. yeah. yeah. Um And then they did have a daughter. Together. Yes. But it took five years of trying. Um They were getting up there. Um They were at this point. They were, you know, in their late 30s, early 40s. I think they were in their early 40s. I was about 40s, to the say. They finally had a kid.
1: Yeah. I was about to say Harold would have been 40 at the time mm-hmm. they were trying. That would have put Tony at 48. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he was in his. They were both in their early 40s. And they mm-hmm. conceived
0: yeah now tony uh, her maiden name was Lay. she was a successful ophthalmologist from mississippi um and harold uh, as far as what he told tony and what he told tony's family and everyone around him was a very wealthy mm-hmm. successful fundraiser for hospitals and churches and a you know a businessman that traveled a lot and what even was a multi-millionaire that? um which we would all we would come to find out all of it was a complete lie that he hadn't worked actually since 1990 hadn't had a job a
1: fundraiser for hospitals though like what the hell that that's lie number one why do hospitals need more money right i mean shit the health field they make a shit. just do a couple x-rays a day you'll fucking i mean and then fundraising for churches it's just to me there's just a lot of gray area in that Mm -hmm. Uh, quote-unquote occupation. He's
0: trying to re- keep, keep a job that seems like it's just uh, confusing enough that people don't, won't really understand what he's doing.
1: Well, not only that, he's trying to pick a hospital and a church is, the, is what he helps. You see what I'm yeah. saying? Like, he's right. such a... He just thinks people are, like, so dumb. He's just like, what's the greatest... What's the greatest job somebody could have? Supporting hospitals and mm-hmm. churches. What, what, <laughs> You're right. You know, you know, what do we I didn't think
0: about it like here. that, but his, yeah, his narcissism, he yeah. wanted, not only did he want to claim that he was a multimillionaire, but he wanted like credit for what he was doing, was doing, uh, you know, a good for humanity God's and work. society and everything. Yeah. 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 Come on, dude. Yeah. Had, they were both heavily, both him, uh, his first wife and his second wife, um, they were heavily involved in religion, um, Christian. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they you know he met a second wife on a Christian website. But that would that go. The same goes for his first wife, which we'll talk about. Who died in a tragic mm-hmm. accident as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he met, when uh, Harold met Tony, he told her that he was so rich that she would never have to work again, which i mean her fam- she loved that and her family loved that but it was also she really didn't need to work anyway tony's family was very well off her father was in uh in the oil business he had owned a bunch of land that had a lot of oil on it he was doing right he was fine like it, none of his kids had to work um nor tony nor her uh her siblings had to work if they didn't want to they all chose to work because they they wanted to right um and they were raised right
1: yeah exactly but, i want to contribute but-
0: yeah, but not long after uh, Tony and Harold got married, um, she you know she became Tony Henthorn. They moved from Mississippi to Colorado, um, and this was all part of Harold's plan. She he mm-hmm. couldn't stand the South, and he part of his control. We see this a lot in crime stories where you know there's a domine- domineering man. Sometimes right. women, but a lot of times it's the man is very controlling over their wife and they try to separate them from their family and their connections. And that's exactly what he did. He, she loved where she was from. She loved Mississippi, but he isolated her back to Colorado. She left her family Mm -hmm. and friends behind. And from there on, from the time that they left Mississippi and moved to Colorado, her family didn't talk to her alone, like directly for like over a decade because every time they would call, Harold would be on, answer the phone and, you can you imagine how annoying that is. Like if you're her father, mm-hmm. you're trying to talk to you call to talk to your daughter and yeah, you're forced to talk to her husband the whole time. He won't get off the phone.
1: Right. And he it thinks was, you want to talk to him too.
0: He's trying wow. to convince you of that. But of course, That's like, like a... it's just a control tactic.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know. So as we, yeah, you... we mentioned a minute ago in 2003, after several years of trying five years of, of attempting, they finally had a child, a child, a daughter named Haley, who at the time that we began this story, at the time of their 12-year anniversary in 2012, Haley was now nine years old. Mm. And sadly, after this anniversary hike, she would never see her mother alive again. So let's get into this hike and this tragic accident, air quotes. Right. Um, So Harold and Tony set out on that hike um, in in 2012, at about 3.30 p.m. on that day, and they left the trail, according to Harold, and had lunch on a scenic trail. Part of that was supposedly because there was too much foot traffic and they wanted some isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, they found this scenic cliff below where they had lunch, and his story would be all over the place as to you know why they went to this this cliff's edge. First, right. it was they were having a picnic. That uh, It was also said that Tony was trying to get the, this perfect picture. She had seen some turkeys, which uh-huh. – later like the uh the park ranger that would uh, respond to this accident would yeah. be like I don't there's not really turkeys in this in this part of the woods or whatever and he'd be like oh well, maybe it was a deer Oh, actually we were down here to have sex so he changes his story wow a couple of times that's why we were going to a secluded spot yeah um,
1: and all the while doesn't lose any confidence in any of these theories
0: does he? right it? no he's he's been totally. a lifetime he spent a lifetime of bullshitting people so he's, he's a <laughs> yes, pro at it he Absolutely. So at a little after 5 p.m., Tony Hinthorne uh, would fall 130 feet from a, from that cliff that they had supposedly had lunch or whatever they had done mm. to the ground below, uh, h- hitting her head, basically scalping her. Um, she had a massive gash in her head that almost immediately lost her a third of her blood in her body, according wow. to the coroner uh, or to the uh, medical examiner. Um God, I- Harold called 911 approximately 45 minutes later, so at about like 5:50-ish he called uh, he claimed that it took him 15 minutes t- to get down to her and then another 30 minutes to assess the situation. Um, wow. How
1: about yeah. call 911 and then make your way down? How about that?
0: Precisely. Wow. wow.
1: Red flag number
0: 1. Here we go. Yeah. Um and the 911 operator, you know, was a little thrown off because he had so much weird information. Like right away, he's telling the the nine one one operator one of the first things he says is what her pulse and her heart rate was.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the the operator's like, "Are you a paramedic?" And he's like, "No." And uh, <laughs> you know, he's he was all over the place. And then she's right. the the operator's trying to get him to perform CPR, and he's saying his phone's about to die. Uh, even though he would then go on to make a crap load of phone calls and texts after hanging up. So it was a four minute call with 9 one operator and they're trying to, you know, organize the, yeah the park ranger to get there because obviously he's already in there and he's just got to yeah. hike over a couple uh, canyons to get there. And they're also trying to, you know, get some sort of, uh, you know, paramedics in there, but it's going to take a while because he intentionally made this as far back as he could go. Like he had planned this whole thing. Oh, of course. Yeah course man he said so he's telling uh you know the responders that he he didn't actually see her fall he was reading text messages and that she was looking over the edge trying to get a perfect picture Mm -hmm. and he just saw a blur and then you know he went over to the edge and saw her laying down there Um, right it was initially ruled uh, initially assumed an accident as you know of course you're going to think as responders like man this is a freak accident this married couple
1: Right, this married couple of twelve years. Yeah, You're right. Not, this is a you don't know his thing.
0: backstory. You don't know that his first wife died in a very weird way. Right. Um, not yet. That being said, he was not showing a lot of emotion. He never did throughout this whole thing with whether it was the funeral, um, being around the family members. It, right. He was basically stone cold, calculated, and uh, the same thing at the scene here. Not no emotion, no crying. Um, Which is crazy because you would think he would he'd be trying to put on some type of act, some type right. of gimmick, right?
1: You're not selling it very good, but I mm-hmm. guess like he just had that much confidence in his in his little scheme here.
0: Yeah. So to, as you briefly mentioned earlier, uh, Harold would tell the ranger that that got there first that you know he was initially going to they were supposed to hike Big uh, uh, Bear Lake Trail, but okay. had changed a Deer Mountain Trail to avoid yeah. crowds. Um, apparently,
1: Bear Lake Trail has, is like a zero elevation gain type yeah, of trail. Yeah, it's paved. It's mm-hmm.
0: it's like an old people trail, apparently. It's very, very uh, easy. Right, whereas Instead, Deer
1: Mountain Trail, I mean, yeah. it has mountain in the name. So yeah, you're going yeah. up. Instead, Harold
0: <laughs> decided it would be a better idea to, to hike Deer Mountain Trail for their anniversary, right. which is a 1,200-foot climb from its trailhead to its 10,200-foot summit. Mm. Uh, with his wife of 12 years that has had three knee surgeries. On the um, same knee. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So his story, mm. as we mentioned, is all over the place. Uh, he told police that he had never been on the Deer Mountain Trail before, but police discovered via cell phone records later. This is this was the nail in the coffin. He got away with this crime for a while, like a f- right. years, um, until... A second look, uh, and and police decided to really dig into his cell phone records, and that's when they discovered there had in fact been uh, eight times in a six week period leading up to Tony's accident, quote unquote, in which he had visited this park, and yeah, basically he was scoping the out area, the perfect yeah. location. Yeah. Yep. And even more amazing, police found a map in his car. I don't know how the fuck he didn't think about this, <laughs> this but they right? found a map in his car with a pink X on the spot where Tony fall, fell. Literally, mark X marking the spot of where he committed the, you know clearly pushed her off this cliff.
1: But to be fair, that could just be like, yeah, that's the spot I was going to picnic with her. You know,
0: like yeah, that's but spot. he told them initially that he hadn't been there, and yeah, he fucked up ex. on
1: that. He he shouldn't have said that. If you don't yeah. say that, then you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then you could easily explain the X. Be like, yeah, that was our destination for the hike. I knew she didn't want to go all the way to the top. She couldn't, so I thought, yeah, we'll we'll stop here. You know, have a little picnic, but like, like you say, the fact that he said he'd never been to the park before—that's that's detrimental to this whole story. It fucks up Very everything.
0: Nice. Yeah, and and we talked a little bit about the 911 call, which is definitely an oh, issue. Yeah. Uh, when the operator tried to get him to assist in CPR, he insisted that he couldn't speak long due to his low battery on his phone. But after hanging up after a four-minute call with 911, with 911 operator, he went on to make 22 calls and send and receive 98 text messages.
1: Jesus
0: and the book went into detail about all these messages that he was sending and the times of them and how odd it is and clearly this this whole thing was you know was him murdering someone so like the times of his text he was sending texts to everyone um and it started out with what was he uh, saying though what what were these texts what were they about what are you It started out with Tony's brother so he was sending texts to her to let her family know and it was like um, hey, whatever his name was, there was an accident. We were hiking in Rocky okay. Mountain National Park, dot, dot, dot. She fell, dot, dot, dot. She's in critical condition, dot, dot, dot. And it was like an ongoing story. And then eventually the last text was, she's gone, dot, 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 dot. But he was sending these same texts to like everyone he knew, people he hadn't talked to in months, in the middle of the night. Even after she was pronounced dead, he was still t- sending the text leading people on that she was still alive, which is just completely bizarre. I don't understand the motive behind it. That is strange. It. Isn't it? It's like he was an attention whore or something. I don't understand it at all. Like saying it, He sent that same first text that he sent to her brother to yeah. like acquaintances hours after she was already dead. Like, the uh, um, what was it? Yeah. Like, urgent message. Uh, Tony has been mean? injured, dot, dot, dot. She's already dead, by the way. Like, he's sending these texts to people for some reason saying she's so hurt strange. when she's already dead, and he knows it.
1: Like you say, I guess that's just for attention. He just wants to be captivating. Yeah. He wants to hold your attention. Mm-hmm. And he he gets ma- I think he also
0: them. wants as many people on his side. He's trying to beat every, beat the police to the punch and get as many people on his side as he can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That way, when police go question people, they he, they can be like, yeah,
1: he texted me and when it happened, you yeah. know.
0: This is this is one of his things that he liked to do. Um, he had kind of a trend that you could see between his first two, you know, his two marriages, mm-hmm. and he liked to keep the family members and friends of his wives really close and get them on his side. So, like at his wedding with Tony, his first wife who had died tragically, almost all of her family was at the wedding for his second wife, and like it was he had kept in contact with them and invited them to this wedding, and it was his way of getting his new wife's family to believe he was a good guy or whatever it was. That is weird. Yeah. Right.
1: I mean, motive, if that's your motive or not, even if that is your motive, that's still weird. Why, why do you need to do that?
0: Yep. Um, and then police after digging in a little more found a motive and of course financial gain here, several life insurance policies with Harold as the beneficiary were discovered, uh, amounting to over $4 million dollars. That's a wow. lot of life insurance.
1: Yeah, I guess she didn't have to work, huh? Right. <laughs> one of yeah. these one church of these insu- fundraiser, my ass.
0: Right, <laughs> yeah. for real. One of these policies, he had recently changed the beneficiary from their daughter Haley to himself. That doesn't look suspicious at all. Wow.
1: So all of them were in his name, or may, or did he still have some in the daughter's name?
0: No, they were all in his. He had changed the one that was wow. for their daughter to his name right before the accident. Wow, that is a piece of shit move. Yeah. I mean, that's now, his real
1: daughter. That's that blows me away. Yeah.
0: Now, Tony's family had liked uh Harold initially, but over the years, over that the course of that 12 years, they had grown to hate him and be fearful of what, you know, his control and what he might do. And in fact, Tony's mother had actually warned her the one time over that 12-year span that she had actually got to talk to her daughter one-on-one. She had made a mm-hmm. visit to Colorado and, and actually sat down with her in their, in her bedroom and had basically had a heart-to-heart like because there was an incident that we'll talk about um, where he had attempted to kill her prior that her mother was yep. concerned about and she warned her, like, don't go anywhere alone with him. I know he's your husband, but, like, she was basically saying, like, I think that he'd already tried to kill you and he's not uh, above doing it again. And, unfortunately, her mother was foreshadowing there because it actually had happened.
1: Yeah. Sometimes your mama got that good intuition yeah
0: you know so when Tony's friends and family uh heard how she died, especially her father um he was able to put into words what many of them were thinking. His first quote when he found you know he heard what had happened was he pushed her. That was <clears throat> what her father said,
1: yeah, he ain't fucking around, boy,
0: yeah he knew <laughs> he knew know. right away, so then police discovered that this wasn't old Harold's first marriage. Imagine and in that. fact his his first wife's tragic death was even more suspicious than the than the second um and what's odd is that both of these wives' tragic accidents quote unquote uh-huh. had happened on their twelfth twelve year anniversary right around that that week yeah so apparently twelve years is his bookend I, for marriage he can't go any further than that before he has to cash in right that's his limit that's really like the long game you know like you that's think w- like, six, seven years would get the point across that you were in love and whatnot, and, like, you put in your time, and you weren't just trying to cash out?
1: Maybe, but like I said, I think he's just waiting until that life insurance policy runs out, and that's just how long it was, <laughs> probably. Yeah. You know what I mean? I imagine right the longer you're
0: with someone, the, the, the better policies you could get because, like, yeah. you know, they see that you're, like, really been together a long time and you're not, you're less likely to knock each other off. I would think like if I'm a life insurance company, I'm not giving you a great policy when you just got married. I'm like, uh,
1: and you've been paying on the policy for 12 years. So what the hell are they going to say when you come to cash out? You know, it's not like you just took it out six months ago. I've been paying on it for 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. It looks legit.
0: Yeah. So let's get into his first wife. Uh, the first marriage that he had that ended uh, tragically. Harold yeah. met his first wife, Lynn, in college, and the two—this uh, the 2 certain, uh took to each other. They were both uh, heavily involved in in you know uh, Christian church, mm-hmm. and uh, they appeared to be really happy. And thus, friends were delighted when the duo decided to tie the knot. But even after marriage, Harold and Lynn settled down into a peaceful life, and nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Once again, this was the same situation with Tony, where he took he took her back to Colorado, his stomping grounds. He had. Um, I I don't, yeah, they'd met in college, but like they, you know, he lived far away, thousands of miles away from where she lived. And he basically took her back to Colorado with him, isolated her from her family, just like he did with later with Tony. Yep. Um, and on May 6th, 1995, after 12 years of marriage, right around their 12 year anniversary, Harold and Lynn decided to take a drive down an almost deserted highway in Sedalia, Colorado. Um, this highway that Harold had chosen had, um, Little to no traffic, and mm-hmm. this was just supposed to be a nice, peaceful drive. However, a tire flat changed everything, an alleged yeah. tire flat. We would later find out to say, that basically if you want to call tire was just barely tire. deflated.
1: Yeah, it had like yeah. 15 PSI in it. You can roll on that for a little bit. Yeah,
0: and in fact, the spare that they were putting on had only had like 19 PSI, so it was right. basically <laughs> it was, the same thing.
1: It wasn't even any better, yeah. yeah. Visu- visually, you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference.
0: Yeah, so Harold pulls over saying something's wrong with the car, It was dark, there was no cell service, and there were no houses nearby, and the nearest hospital was a near 40-minute drive. And after confirming that it was a troublesome tire, Harold propped the vehicle up on a couple of jacks ready for a tire change and somehow convinced Lynn, who was a very cautious person. The the book went into detail about Lynn, um, his first wife, and how cautious she was about everything. She uh, was the type of person that parked like 50 feet from the nearest car in a parking lot and would actually leave her window down. And the glove box open, just to so that no one would like break the window to see that there was nothing in her car. Um, It talked about how she always kept like a fifty dollar bill stashed away in the darkest part of her wallet, just in case she was a very cautious person and always thought things (laughs) through. So the idea that on this dark, secluded highway that she would go under to fix this tire that wasn't even nothing was even wrong with, yeah, and then have this these jacks fall. So what happens is somehow the car. She's under there working on the tire, and what we know now happened was that Harold had put the, the car up on two jacks, and when she went down there, he kicked the side panel right above the tire that was off, mm-hmm. kicking the car off the jacks and landing on his wife, killing and her see, instantly. And
1: you may be like, well, why was she under the car? Well, somehow, the lug nuts ended up, up underneath the car. Mm-hmm. Harold Harold
0: says they rolled up under there.
1: Okay, first off, lug nuts aren't even round, and then you're on gravel
0: where yeah. they roll into mm-hmm. like he rolled in bitches like dice down under the under he sure the did
1: he sure did yeah
0: yeah hey, and then was... it, and, and there was actually a footprint on the rear panel of the car right above the tire well where the tire was removed where lynn was wow so, Dope. and yeah and the initial detectives they were new to the force they were not very well practiced they took him at his word that this was a freak accident yeah unfortunately And they did get a picture of the, you know, footprint on the car and they got a picture of his foot, uh, the shoes that he was wearing and they never matched them up. They never compared them. It was uh, quickly ruled. Her death was quickly ruled by a coroner as an accident uh, within a week and no real investigation was ever done.
1: Oh my God. Well, you know, they did test that uh, later on. They did test the theory. Uh, because he said that he slammed the back hatch and the car fell off the jack. He said that
0: he threw, one, he said that. He that. That was one that of he, them. That did, was one the of them. The car fell off the jacks when he threw the spare tire into the back, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Well, they, they they tested this. The police department tested all these theories. It yeah. would not do it. But you know the what? The only did one knock that worked off? was kicking, kicking it. Kicking <laughs> that shit. Spartan kicking that bitch will knock yep. it off the jack every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly what did it.
0: Yep. Yeah. So several suspicious facts about the incident were noteworthy. For example, the tire that stopped, uh, to, they they stopped to change, was not flat, but merely was low. As we mentioned, it was at 15 pounds out mm-hmm. of 44, and the spare that they were putting on was at 19, so four pounds right. more than the the one that was supposedly flat. Um, and his story was it's amazing to me this because this guy was incredibly meticulous and like so like there was details in this book about. Um, the wedding with Tony and how uh-huh. this he had planned everything to it. He like typically what a woman does leading up to a wedding, you know, they get together with their mom or whatever and they plan out the wedding and the men are like, yeah, whatever you want to do and like give their <laughs> yeah, sure. sense. He was the one that planned it like over the top, like five notebooks worth of shit. Like everyone had to have oh. their role. He was, he was such a control freak in everything and so t- for me to think that he just won it as far as the details of like knowing he was going to do these crimes and then yep. seemingly just his stories all over the place with everyone he talks to, like, yeah, I would have thought he would have had the details like memorized, like this is exactly what happened and then not change it with well, anybody. But he was all over the place with the different police officers that responded to his first wife's accident. Yeah. He was telling them all a different story of where they had gone, where they were going, how it happened.
1: Well, he thought that his plan was so good and the accident would have been such a freak thing that no one would question yeah. it, Lauren, You know, I mean, come on, Yeah, his plan well, is I mean, he got
0: away with it. He got away with it for how long? He did. You know?
1: He did. Technically, he's never been punished for it, right? He still hasn't. True,
0: to. but uh, that day is going to come, I think. Uh, we'll talk yeah. more about that in a bit. So, to one cop, Harold said that they were driving east. To another, he said west. To one cop, he said that him, him and Lynn had ate dinner at a nearby restaurant just prior to the accident. To another, he said that they were on their way to the restaurant. To one cop, mm. he said that he and Lynn had left the house to go on a drive at 1 p.m. To another, he said 7 p.m. To Whoa. one cop, he said that the tire they pulled out to, uh, to change was completely flat. To another, he said it was merely spongy. Yeah, a lot of people pull over on a dark highway in the middle of nowhere because their tires spongy. You know, yeah. Yeah. don't you get home and then fill up the tire later or the next day or something?
1: Right. Maybe see um, how far you can make it, you know? Yeah.
0: To one cop, he said that he had jacked up the fallen car and pulled Lynn out from underneath in a desperate attempt to save her life. To another, he said it wasn't him, um, that she was actually rescued by a group of random strangers, which we would find out later was absolutely true that there was uh, a family that had been happened to be driving through that area, and he waved them down and actually let them, like he actually yelled at them when they pulled Lynn out from under the car and tried to do CPR on him. And when they were trying to get him to use his jacket to keep her warm because it was cold out there, he had this nice jacket on. He wouldn't do it. So they had to use their own fucking jacket on her. And he's what just standing around. Shit. He's standing around while they're trying to save him or save his wife.
1: Of course, he doesn't want to save her, man. But what a yeah. piece of shit. It's like, you're not even going to act like you want to save her.
0: When detectives finally wow. later on contacted this witness that had tried to save Lynn. The first thing the witness said, what was her name? I forget. But she was she basically said, did you arrest the husband yet? She knew like the, the behavior was so bizarre wow <laughs> she just came right out with it mm-hmm. it's like on the contrary uh, nah he's
1: we went sent home yep. and we went ahead and gave him his life insurance policy he's good to go yeah
0: <laughs> wow yeah so um Oh, yeah, here's the detail of what I just talked about. Uh, at around 10 p.m., Harold flagged down a car and told the occupants that the car had fallen on top of his wife. They drove back up the road to find the ha- find a house and call 911. When they couldn't find the phone, they returned to try and help. Two men were able to lift the car up and free Lynn, who was unconscious. Then uh, Harold angrily screamed at them not to touch her. Even over his objections, they started CPR and got her breathing again briefly. Meanwhile, another passenger left the scene to try and find a phone and returned with blankets after finding someone to call 911 without, you know, he wasn't willing to give up his jacket, so they had to go get blankets. Right. Um, Yeah, this this story, his story was all over. It's amazing to me that he got away with this first one, to be honest. Seriously. But it was was just the right location, uh, young detectives that... Just for whatever reason, I believed him, even though his story. I mean, I guess someone could be distraught, and maybe, you know, it's, it's hard to recall exactly what happened when it just happened, but his story was ev- all over the place.
1: I guess just the incident in itself is is so strange you know mm-hmm. imagine pulling up on this and a car falls on somebody you're like wow yeah. this is a horrible accident like, the first you thing you're not her.
0: thinking is it was murder right no why would yeah. you
1: be thinking it's a murder like a mm-hmm. car fell on somebody it doesn't
0: especially a couple that's been married for 12 years
1: precisely yeah, precisely so in that instance you know you got to kind of cut them a little bit of slack but it should it should have been investigated much more thoroughly for sure
0: yeah so when law enforcement asked Harold whether Lynn's life was insured, he disclosed only one of the multiple life insurance policies that he would collect on. Um, and he would ultimately collect $600,000 in life insurance, including proceeds from policy that went into effect only two and a half months before her death and from an mm-hmm. accidental death rider. So he added in uh, a part of the policy that would pay him even more if there was an accidental death, uh, which doubled the benefit from oh, 150,000 to 300,000.
1: That's why he did the accidental death stuff okay okay i get it now because this whole story i was sitting here trying to figure out i'm like why didn't he just there's lots of other ways if you like a person right right i mean if you're gonna if you're narcissistic piece of shit anyway like you don't have any attachment obviously Mm -hmm. like why are you going why is he going through all this trouble to make it an accident it's all for the money wow the fucking balls of this dude
0: unreal So while law enforcement briefly investigated Lynn's death as a suspicious incident, investigators eventually determined her death was an accident despite the unusual circumstances, and partly that was due to the coroner ruling it an accident instead of uh, uh, undetermined, which would happen with his second wife. The coroner's ruling of, uh, was it, I think it was undetermined or something along those lines, and that, yeah. that left it open for more investigation it's, as opposed yeah, they, to immediately they said, ruling uh, it an accident. Yeah,
1: they said homicide cannot be ruled out, I believe, was on the yeah. bottom of the report.
0: Yeah. Douglas County, where that occurred, had changed a lot over the years. A formal rural rural ranching community turned into one of the fastest-growing counties in the nation. So back then, it was more of a rural, small-town thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But over the years, the sheriff's office grew with the larger community from a few dozen to some 500 employees. But at the time of Lynn's death, there were only five detectives covering an area half the size of Rhode Island. Douglas County wasn't prepared to investigate Lynn's death, not only because they'd never seen one like it, but because they weren't prepared for anything of this magnitude. So they were just... Out of their league with that first murder that he did.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. And he knew that. He knew that this in this desolate road in this small this small town, this small county or whatever. He knew. He knew exactly what he was doing because this is in Colorado. That's. I mean, that's why he takes all of them to his home. His home turf. Yeah.
0: Yeah. His stomping grounds.
1: Yeah. He knows what's up.
0: Within Um. less less than a week, Douglas County's coroner declared Lynn uh, Henthorne's death an accident. All of her belongings, along with her Jeep, were returned to Harold. The Jeep was then salvaged, and no physical evidence remained. So that was that. Wow. wow. Until he does it again, and you know, then people mm-hmm. start saying, hey, how many freak accidents can a man have with his exactly. wife? Exactly. Exactly. Highly suspicious ones as well, with tons of circumstantial
1: evidence. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't have more than one, apparently.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward back to 2012. Uh, now, with a boatload of circumstantial evidence, police arrested Harold, especially after looking into his past and seeing the, mm-hmm. you know, the very bizarre death of his first wife as well. I think that would played a huge role in them wanting to investigate him further. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and they would ultimately charge him with first degree murder for the death of his second wife, Tony. And prosecutors would argue that Harold carefully staged Tony's death to cash in on several life insurance policies totaling over four million dollars. They seized uh, on Harold Hentworth's inconsistent accounts of the fatal fall and said that evidence did not match his shifting stories. They described how he had scouted the trail during eight different trips to the Estes Park area. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say he was searching for, quote, the perfect place to murder someone where there would be no witnesses and no chance of her surviving. Prosecutor Su- Suneta Hazra said. A yeah. coroner said that he could not determine whether she fell or was pushed, but he said he found no evidence that Harold actually performed CPR on his wife, despite what he told dispatchers. So he did say that he had performed uh, CPR on her and mm-hmm. the, uh, the people on the phone, they were skeptical because I think he talked initially for four minutes and then he talked to him again as supposedly after doing CPR and they were really uh, thrown off because usually people are really winded after performing CPR for anything more than a couple minutes. It's exhausting. Right, he was not out of breath at all. And then after examining, you know, uh, Tony's body, there was no sign that her her lipstick wasn't even smudged, and there was no damage to like your xyoid and or xiphoid or whatever it's called, uh, you know, right? In your from chest. the compressions, from yeah. the compressions, yeah. Um, then there was the park rangers that told the jury that Harold could not explain why he had a, a park map of the area with an X drawn at the spot where his wife fell. That's what a hard one to get past.
1: I can't believe he didn't have any explanation though. I mean, nothing. I mean, you, you, expl- you tried to explain your way out of everything else. How do you mm-hmm. not have an explanation for this?
0: Yep. Prosecutors um. argued that the fall was reminiscent of the death of Henthorn's first wife, Sandra Lynn in 1995, several month at, months after their 12th wedding anniversary. Bizarre. Yep. Bizarre that he, it was both on the 12th anniversary. That is yep. weird. Um, so as Henthorn had not been charged in the, the, you know, the death of his first wife, uh, police reopened the investigation after Tony Hethorn, Henthorn's di- uh, death. Right. Details of the earlier case, they were, thankfully, the judge allowed de- details of his uh, first wife's death to be permitted in the trial. And so it really told a story of a guy who is doing this more than once, cashing in on these um, life insurance That's- policies and the details of what he'd been up to since 1990, the fact that he had not worked steadily since 1990 and had uh, all all the while gone around claiming to be a millionaire to everyone. So there were mm-hmm. so many character witnesses that came in and told about all of his lies. And uh, when he said he was on business, he, it actually turned out he was going to a local Panera bread and then annoying all the staff at this Panera bread day after day. <laughs> um, he was oh doing nothing. God. And he was dominating you know, both of his wives' lives up until he took them from, from them. Yeah um, secluding them from their families. He was just a horrible, horrible person. And he was the same way with, uh, with the daughter, um, with Haley. I mean, he dominated like, uh, once they had Haley, he controlled every second of her life as well. And to the fact, to the oh, point where like, um, Tony would be at work all day. She ran a practice for ophthalmology and she would get home and, uh, he would already have, uh, Haley in bed like earlier than any kid goes to bed. He'd put her to bed at like six o'clock just so that Tony couldn't see her own daughter when she got home from work. She'd already be in bed. Jesus. She had to eat every time he ate to the point where she had constipation apparently because like that was how controlling it. When he ate, she had to eat. He was controlling every part of her life.
1: Well, yeah, it's extreme narcissist, man. And he sees himself in her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, her failure <clears throat> is his failure and so on, so on. You know what I mean? Like yep. extreme helicopter parents. I feel like they yep. have, that's that's their issue a lot.
0: I feel like he had a kid just so that he could do this, impose his will, and get even more control over his wife. It was just another means of controlling her.
1: Shit, maybe. Maybe, yeah. And it's also another tie, too. It makes Mm -hmm. them look even more connected and in love, right? I mean, they have a child together. 12 years of marriage and a child together? Like, we're bonded.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, prosecutors during the trial said that Harold made phony business cards to make it seem like he was a hardworking fundraiser for churches and nonprofits. But investigators found no evidence that he had any income from regular employment. He had a suite, but really it was the basement of their Colorado home. Um, mm-hmm. He insisted to anyone who would listen that he was an in demand fundraiser who had a large staff and made millions a year. Yet every time Tony managed to sneak a look at the, at his finances, she found that their bank accounts weren't nearly, weren't nearly as flush as he made them out to be. So um, mm-hmm. she was not impressed and they had, This is after they had gotten uh, apparently approximately half a million dollars from Tony's parents. They were very generous. They paid for down payment on their Colorado home, they paid for the wedding, everything.
1: Well, why did he need that if he's got so much money, you know? Exactly.
0: Um, and despite the fact that Tony's parents, the Bertolays, uh, had been extra generous to Harold and Tony, gifting them some half a million dollars for a down payment on their house, as I just mentioned, for cars and new appliances and anything else they needed in the ten years since they'd been married, still, over the course of Harold and Tony's twelve-year marriage, Bob and uh, Yvonne Bo- Bertolay, Tony's parents, watched their daughter change. At one time, she had been assertive and confident until she met Harold, and mm-hmm. that all changed. That is, that is what sucks is like apparently tony was she was the type that didn't take shit from anybody growing up um but he just knew how to he just knew how to control people well when you and take he, somebody
1: out of their element like that especially a small town person you he, take them out of he their even element. took over her I practice
0: mean, just... her ophthalmology office what he he annoyed her, her whole staff he would go in there and start like telling them when to schedule things and how to do things and answering phone calls and then he ended up selling her practice like he put it up for sale and she didn't even know and she's getting a call about the practice being up for sale just another way for him to dominate and control her life dude's a psychopath man (laughs) he's an
1: absolute psychopath yeah i can't believe these women stayed with him for 12 years maybe they were genuinely afraid to leave
0: well also he picked uh really really uh deeply religious women that they believed in you know the, what the Bible said about marriage, that it was sacred and not to be broken, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. Yeah. And Tony was actually... She was on a, an online Christian advice website. She was like one of the more popular advice givers to young women that, you know, were struggling with things and whatnot. She did that for years. She's very intelligent. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, yeah, uh, basically... Tony's family uh, came on the stand and talked about his controlling nature and how their daughter had changed. And um, even though Harold had supposedly had all this money, he refused to travel back and forth to the south, to Mississippi, where she was from, to see her family. Um, and if Tony's parents wanted to see their, their their daughter and their granddaughter, they had to get on a plane, which had become a burden because both of them, uh, as they got up in age, had both suffered mild strokes. And yet Tony, oh she still couldn't go down there and see her family. That's fucked um, up. And every time they called, Harold would be the one to answer. As I talked about earlier, he would put them on speakerphone and do the majority of the talking, while Tony's voice came in in a faint and distant uh, background, as she was standing, uh, as if she was standing in another room. Um, mm.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't fly, the, man. I'd have to make a trip out there somehow.
0: Yeah, Gosh. there's no way. Yeah, there's no, no way. If
1: I, if I couldn't talk to my daughter at all, and I seen, that, I'd be like, all right, I'm just gonna show up out the blue. Mm -hmm. it's gonna be a knock at the door it's gonna be me bitch (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: um tony's parents the bertolays hoped that life might get better when uh for tony when the birth of their daughter occurred in 2005 but they found that things only got worse the control was even worse with young haley harold planned every one of the little girls days and nights organized playdates with other parents told haley when and what to eat and made it clear Mm -hmm. to everyone paying attention that he not tony was in charge he refused to allow Tony to put Haley to bed at night, insisting that the hour or so before Haley fell asleep was daddy daughter time. Even after she'd fallen asleep, keeping a video monitor running in, her, in, in Haley's room to keep an eye on things. Jesus. Then came the incident in the cabin. This is what the other attempt uh, on Tony's life prior to the push off the cliff that we alluded to earlier. Yes. Um, so Harold had bought this little cabin in the mountains and, um, uh west of denver and they would make frequent trips up there um him tony and haley uh and at the cabin late one night while haley slept harold asked tony to help him clean up some debris now keep in mind it's 11 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. he was a clean freak meticulous he insisted that tony do everything his way towels had to be folded a certain way all of that so to think that something needed to be cleaned up at 11, 11 o'clock at night, it just doesn't strike me as right, first of all. But no. while standing below a raised porch uh, with her back turned, Tony felt the weight of something heavy hit her in the neck and knock her to the ground. And she had a severe concussion and neck injury from this. And basically, Tony or uh, Harold had supposedly thrown this piece of lumber off the second floor deck and struck Perfectly hitting Tony in the, in the back of the neck. Yeah, and she odd. says that she said that she had uh coincidentally just bent down to pick something up right as that hit her, and had it not, she she's convinced it would have hit her in the head and killed her. So she got okay. So there was debris on the roof.
1: Like I mean, he says debris, but there's a. It's vague. Of fucking, course, he's it's a bullshit it like story. A, a but it sounds like it was.
0: It sounds like it was a large beam is what it sounds like.
1: That's what it sounds like to me as well. Yeah. 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 Jesus.
0: Afterwards, afterwards, she discovered what had hit her and hurt her so badly, a large piece of lumber that Harold had thrown off the porch. Um, she's convinced that had she moved not moved a millisecond before that uh, it, it would have hit her right in the head and killed her. And this is the event that Tony's mother really – started to realize what they were dealing with in Harold and how dangerous he was because she's, she was convinced that this was an attempt on her daughter's life. Right. Just the fact that you took your, your wife out at 11 PM to do this is, Mm -hmm. is not
1: safe. Right. Like if you, if you feel that strongly that you need to go do that, then go do it your damn self. Exactly. You know, It's, it's just that the whole thing is, is iffy.
0: And just the idea that you would throw a large wooden beam off a balcony when there's even a slight chance that your wife or kid or anybody would be below is just insane. It's
1: insane. That's what I'm saying. Just the yeah. whole situation is just... I can't believe yeah. these women didn't see this shit before. Yeah.
0: So this is all stuff that the jury would hear during the two-week trial in, two, in 2015. Prosecutors argued that Harold carefully staged Tony Henthorn's death to look like an accident because he stood to benefit uh, from her $4.7 million in life insurance policies, which hmm. she didn't know existed. Wow, And they did a good enough job uh, portraying his character and all the details of these two, you know, the the two suspicious deaths of his wife's mm-hmm. good enough job that it only took the jury about 10 hours to find Harold Henthorne guilty of first degree murder for the d- death of his second wife. He was 59 years old at the time. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of p- parole recently or a few years after that. He, of course, filed an appeal, which was denied. And mm-hmm. now there's talks that they could start to maybe put together a trial for his first wife's death because they didn't want to, what they didn't want to happen was his, there to be a chance that he gets a, the appeal actually goes through. And then they have, you know, they can't use the second wife's death as, you know, part of the case for the first wife's death. They, they think they have a much less chance of convicting him for his first wife's death if the second one got appealed. So they don't want Absolutely. they basically want to keep him in prison to make sure they dot their I's and cross their T's here.
1: Yeah. I agree. This some bitch needs yeah. to stay in prison, man, because he's just gonna hurt somebody else. Yeah. Cause this is the type of person that he just if he got away with this or he gets out, then that just bolsters his confidence. Just like oh, yeah. getting away with his first wife. Killing his first yeah. wife. That I wouldn't put it past him to then
0: sue the the justice you know, the judicial system for wrongful imprisonment or whatever and get even more millions out of this if somehow he gets out.
1: Oh, I know he's he's the perfect he's the perfect candidate for some bullshit like that
0: yeah that's our case that's right you know it's a perfect candidate for your armpits what is that oh my gaia
1: oh my gaia dude oh my Gaia is an innovative (laughs) all-natural deodorant fragrance and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum free products guys their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. And there's tons of scents to choose from, guys, from vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk. That's one of my favorites. Uh, Today, I'm rocking Barbershop, another one. Nice, clean smell. I love Barbershop. Um, But because you guys are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper for 15% off your order. That's C-R-E-E-P-E-R. 15% For 15% off your order at ohmygaia.com or shop underscore ohmygaia on instagram okay that's ohmygaia.com o-h-m-y-g-a-i-a.com and again that's 15% off your order with code creeper and as that's always right. there's links to oh My Gaia right below the description of this episode as well as our next sponsor tonic cbd
0: that's right. Support small businesses that support us like Oh My Guy and like Tonic CBD. It's true, not all CBD products are created equal from how the hemp is grown and processed or how it's formulated and delivered into your body. Every step matters. And that's why Tonic is so special. They uh they have original formulas using CBD, adaptogens, herbs and superfoods and they work to c- deliver the most effective, intentional, sustainable products. Uh, You know, that CBD you get at the gas station is not, it it, it can't hold a candle to the real deal here. No, they they cultivate their own hemp on a certified organic family farm in upstate New York. That Uh hemp travels only 30 minutes to their state of the art manufacturing and distribution facility where it's turned into a finished product and sent to you, ensuring only the highest quality vibes at every step of the process. Uh, They have a bunch of different blends. Yeah. It's much like, Oh My Guy has a bunch of different scents. They have a bunch of different blends depending on your needs. Uh, Chill Tonic is one of my favorites. It helps with anxiety, and it's got some superfoods in it. It has ashwagandha, lemon balm, and passion passionflower to deliver a super calming effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also has black seed oil, which is a antioxidant powerhouse. Yeah. Great, for your, um, it's great for your immune system. Uh, but just scratches the surface of what superfood can do. Um, it's really easy also to certify or to verify the quality of their products. There's a microchip on the top of each uh, container which if you tap your phone on gives you the details, their third party lab resor- uh, re- uh, reports, product information, details about their farm and even helpful blog posts to provide that provide you with CBD information. I recommend you check out their Instagram page, tonic CBD. I'm not sure exactly what the tag is, but if you just search that, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's stories that show you their farm. That's kind of what attracted me to them and had me reach out to them as a potential sponsor for the show. Um, uh, and the best part is if you visit tonicvibes.com and you use code word creeper at checkout, you get 20% off your order. That's tonicvibes.com, code word creeper as always, and you get 20% off. So definitely check it out. It's a part of my daily life. I take CBD day and night mm-hmm. um, when I wake up and before bed and it helps with sleep. It helps with just keeping my mood stable and many other benefits. So definitely give it a chance and and help uh a small business that's helping us out as well absolutely all right all right we got any we're going to do
1: some reviews Are you want to talk patreon
0: uh you talk patreon while i look up the reviews here
1: sounds good uh guys number one way to support the show and what we do here at tcg productions is to go check out patreon patreon.com slash true crime guys and you can sign on at the $2 tier and get access to that one week a month where we don't do a free episode. You'll get access to that episode including the entire backlog of all of those episodes for the last five years. And, as, and if you bump up to the $5 tier, then you get everything we make. Everything True Crime Guys Productions makes. That's every Patreon exclusive, every TCG Patreon exclusive, every Just the Banter, which is every single Friday with video as well um strange strange shorts is on mondays and uh strange and unexplained proper you get early releases to that our other podcast strange and unexplained it's available on free platforms you get early releases every thursday so you can listen to your tcg releases wednesday and thursday and then also, uh, like, did I say, strange shorts already. Did I say, strange shorts on Monday. Yep. You said strange I I did. shorts. Did you say okay. higher
0: thoughts? Did you say five minute murder show? There's I didn't so say many. Five minute There's murder so show much. yet? That's Saturday.
1: So I was going down the week. Yeah. And it's, just, <laughs> it's almost every almost every other day at least. Just uh, to the story, you something.
0: get a shitload of stuff for five bucks a month.
1: Yeah, five bucks a month. It's cheaper than your coffee. It's cheaper than a gallon of gas, depending on where you live. We haven't even so. adjusted
0: for inflation, so get in now. <laughs>
1: That's right. <laughs> we're about to move everything to the ten dollars tier. Shit's getting yeah, crazy. Right. Uh, But yeah, but patreon.com slash truecrimeguys, just like everything else that we plugged, there is links right below the description.
0: Right on. I want to take a minute to thank everybody who has gone and rated and reviewed the show, or at least the ones that I can find on this website here. Uh, (laughs) I want to say thank you to Will3433 from the U.S. Says, Creeper for Life. Found them in March. Just got done catching up. Going to binge... Binge strange, then it'll be time to become a patron and start binging some more. Love the banter. Good balance of humor with the terrible stories. Also don't mind the sports talk. Raider Nation, OG Oakland. Get out of here. On the other (laughs) side of the bay, homie, (laughs) was uh, before you guys came to Vegas, was the real team. Oh. The (laughs) 40-winus.
1: The 40-winus.
0: Then we got Swag6782 from the U.S. says, Mason Lusk. I guess maybe that's your name. Absolute gold, y'all. Listen to y'all all day. And uh, ain't a better way to make the workday fly by than a good murder story. Keep up the good work and God bless. Thumbs right up. On. Thank you very much, Swag 6782. Yes. And we got one more from ATX Bree from the US as well. Says, I work okay. overnight and binged all of Killer Queens. Tori and Tyrella gave a sneak peek of y'all's show and I gave it a listen. I started from the newest and already on episode 153. Wow. You've been busy. Okay. Uh yeah. she also says you y'all are hilarious. Love the show. Immediately subscribed and we'll join Patreon once I've binged it all. So a big shout out to Killer Queens for sure. Um, yeah, and right any of the listeners that have come over from them to us, welcome and thanks for checking us out and hopefully you like it.
1: Absolutely. And if you haven't checked out Killer Queens, go check them out as well.
0: Oh, hundred percent. All right. All right. Does that do it? I think that's Is it. Man. Patreon next week. I feel like it's already here.
1: Gosh. Probably. It might be. I don't know. You know, you always ask me, and I don't know right at the end of the show.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If it is, it is. We'll see on Patreon next week. If it's not, we'll see on on the free feed. But I think it probably is. It sneaks up so fast.
1: I know. It really does. It does. All right, guys. All right,
0: everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next week, whether it's on Patreon or right here. Um, But keep creeping. Have a great week. Keep creeping, guys.
1: In the desert, we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was true crime garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the Creeper Army We out here making murder. Get murder. Get murder True crime, true crime true guys, guys In the desert, we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was true crime garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the creeper army We out
2: here, make it matter charming
0: You hush your mouth, boy